Home again, home again, jiggity jig. Not for too long, though. Miss Vreeland dropped the kidnapping charges. With a little more hard work, you should be ready to re-enter society for good. Yay. There's one thing I gotta know. Why'd you stay with me all day, risking your butt for someone who's never given you anything but trouble? I know what it's like to try and rebuild a life. little short in the trigger there matt all my settings were off chris scales are here with matt howland glad it was you this time instead of me everything was going all weird i mean, i couldn't figure out what the heck it was and i finally at the last second as we had that nice little pause there and we're listen this is basically going to be a live episode too folks because i got a hurricane bearing down right now on us and um you know let's hope this isn't the last episode of the first run man. <laughs> just fingers crossed i like to be dramatic mm, see that so this week, Matt, on the big show, I don't even have my sheet up. Dear Lord, it's madness. Cats and dogs living together. This week in the first run, Matt and I are going to finally catch up with Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Matt, it's a sprawling tale of one man's journey to visit his mother with all the accompanying insanity, violence, humor, and just a dusting of an electric complex, all led by Joaquin Phoenix. Clocking in at a meager three hours, is it, insert your genre here, the film you've been waiting for all these years, or is it just a bloated mess? Then, as the Pope's exorcist mania sweeps the country, nay the globe, we discuss the Pope's exorcist. The number one film on Netflix, Matt, believe it or not. And it demands, Matt, to be seen, discussed, as it's guaranteed to become a legacy lasting generations. Right. Or or not. <laughs> There's a truly loving rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then uh, Matt and I are going to close out the show by sharing, not sharing, we're going to play a round of our favorite fill-in-the-blank game, TFR Libs. Matt, the power of moms compels you. Let's hear a clip from Bo is Afraid. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. I know you are. Your father's anniversary. The day he died. How are you feeling about that? You know, I never met him. I meant... How are you feeling about going home? I had the dream again. Let's stay on track. How are you feeling about the trip? It's good I'm going back. It's been a long time. Has it? Several months. Were well, you feeling guilty about that? Matt, I'm starting to wonder if I should feel guilty about having you watch Bo is Afraid. Three hours long. Mm. No, no, I shouldn't say that because maybe I liked it. Matt, I, I've been looking forward to this since I watched the film the other day. And I what I did is I, I kind of spaced it out. I packed a lunch, had some snacks, you know. and uh, No, I did it all in three hours. I knocked this baby out of the park. Of course you did. Because you're a professional. Matt. Here's I've been waiting though the last few days because this may be my favorite one to ever ask you, Matt. What is Bo is afraid all about? Oh boy. Um, well, I'm gonna put it in the briefest, simplest terms that I can. Joaquin Phoenix is a sad sack neurotic who lives by himself when he gets a call that his mother has passed away. 
and he is going to take a journey to go attend the funeral. And it's a journey, folks. Yeah, that I guess that is pretty much as straightforward and succinct as you could put it. I mean, that's... That's the plot. I, and you don't want to spoil certain things, too, right? Yeah. I mean, the film is just, I think, mostly three hours of madness. I think it's quite interesting experience. I think it's funny, Matt. It's unsettling. It's profoundly sad sometimes and very, very weird. I think it's been a while since we've seen or discussed your kind of Odyssey-esque type film, mm. right? Where I think... I don't know if it's like Terry Gilliam crazy. Yeah. This is more like the dark alleys that Terry Gilliam would never really bother to explore mm-hmm. type of a stuff. You know, seedy, kind of weird, kind of disturbing stuff. Yeah. But I think he'd give it a nod of approval. I think Astor's dedication to creating this surrealistic, jaundiced view of the world, I found it captivating at times, Matt. Taking in all the little weird ancillary aesthetic choices as well not even getting involved with Joaquin Phoenix's performance. And I think how interesting and layered, I really watching him in this, I really think when I think about him and stuff like you were never really here or the other polar opposite of this film, which would be something like her, where I think he plays almost a similar character Mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he may be our, our best working actor right now. Regardless, Matt, what are your thoughts on Bo is afraid you loved yourself a long film Especially some weird-ass stuff like this, right? 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 What did you think? Uh, yeah, so... Ooh, there's a lot to unpack here. I, I try. This is like a film that is made by kind of a darling wonder kid, or wonderkint, as the case may be. Um, is that a te- was that a Ted Lasso reference? It was a little bit of a te- te- Ted Lasso reference, yes. Um of this kind of darling of indie horror, right? People really love Hereditary. People mm, really love Midsummer. At least half of this show really loves Midsummer um, and Hereditary. I and I think this is basically where A twenty four or whoever financed this kind of let him off the leash and let him do whatever he wants. And in when you look at every kind of auteur's, uh, you know, catalog, right? There's going to be one or two of these films where they just kind of, they kind of are, let's say, do whatever you want. They always come back with some like three hour bloated thing that's at times brilliant, at times, you know, nonsensical, and at times always, or I should say throughout the entire thing, indulgent, right? They're kind of, they're indulging in their, you know, what it is that they want to do. This is the type of film I feel like this is something that, Ari Aster has been thinking about since he was a senior in high school and he's finally decided that he's gotten the chance to put this thing together. So he's going to do it. Honestly, it's hard to judge a film like that, right? I think it really depends on your state of mind. It depends on your tolerance for these kind of artsy statements, whether you think that it's flawed, but it has something to say and you appreciate the effort and you can find the kind of pieces that are good in it and the parts that really hit with you. And that doesn't, and the kind of indulgence of it, the kind of, I don't want to say navel gazing, but I guess kind of navel gazing part of it is, is, is not a detriment. Right. And that kind of really depends on where this, this fence, this is really going to test you like a Gilliam film or something like that. I agree with you pretty much entirely. I think that, 
there's all right so there's these three i think starkly different chapters that the film has right and they kind of come hurtling towards you like one of, in one of the most I, for me i think unsettingly weird final acts i've seen in recent memory when the when the when the curtain is pulled right and we see what everything that's been happening it's it's really just a weird just what turns into this how would i put it almost a uh, um i don't want to say no i don't want to say that <laughs> I'm not sure, Matt, that it's an overly successful experience, but I feel like I appreciate it for its ambition. Mm. I think Astor takes some bold, large swings. Some connect. Some are glancing blows. But I think in the end, it is very weird and interesting. Giant penis monsters and all. (laughs) I think that there is a lot going on in this film at all times. And... One thing I appreciate about it, too, is I I never really knew or understood where we were going to go next with any of this, too. I mean, I think I had a suspicion maybe about the final reveal, uh, given the buildup, particularly that phone call that he has with his mother Mm -hmm. right at the beginning. Clearly, there's a, I don't think, I need a stronger word than manipulation. But um, still, it is, it's an experience, folks. But it's, as Matt has said in the past, it is a... I think it's going to take a very certain kind of audience to be able to take this whole thing in, enjoy it, because uh, it is indulgence for sure in a lot of in a lot of different ways. But I still think I liked it. Mm. Yeah, I think it's maybe just for the ambition of it, though. At times, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think this is kind of the, a film that's in the wheelhouse of somebody or a pair of people who have a podcast that talk about movies that every week. Right. So, I mean, obviously this is a film lovers type of thing. And again, I don't think it's necessarily successful. I think what this is going to end up being is that this will be an oddity in Astor's kind of output, right. In his catalog. Mm -hmm. And it'll sit there as kind of this, this artifact of, you know, there'll be champions of the film. There'll probably be a bit of a cult following around it, even amongst his already kind of cult filmography. And then, you know, as people, as his, you know, as his catalog expands, as he does more films, it'll be this thing that's just kind of sitting there that will be something that will be presented to you as, you know, part of an initiation. Are you in the club kind of thing? And how you react to it, good, bad, or indifferent, it's fine. But I think as long as you're willing to engage it on its own terms, I think you'll be fine. I think there is enough here to where it's at the very least interesting, if not necessarily a, an unqualified success. Yeah, I agree with that. So listen, folks, if you want an adventure, not an adventure, not like Indiana Jones type of adventure, but if you want to take on something different, something unusual, that's going to kind of bring you places you hadn't really thought of or ever wanted to go before. Mm-hmm. All right. I think then you may enjoy Bo is Afraid. I did. It's. I, I don't know what to say. It's just so weird at times yeah. and like shockingly violent yeah. and very funny and then deeply sad and just a general feeling after watching it of like, what the hell was that? And if you're into that kind of stuff, I think you're going to enjoy this. That's why I ended up giving Bo is Afraid a B, plus, man. Yeah, I think I, I give it a B. To me, this is, again, this is like 
Aronofsky's mother, right? Or Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. It's like this passion project thing that's not for everybody, but if you can match on its wavelength, and I think if you're a fan of the director, you should at least watch it and see what you think. Come to your own conclusion. Absolutely. And if you had a chance to see Bo's Afraid, which is available to stream, and I believe purchase on Blu-ray at this point right now, shoot us an email at feed, feed, at feed, no, just feed. <laughs> Feedback at thefirstrun.com. I have so many things going in my head right now. Like, all right, so do I got to put these dams up? Am I the windows secure? Is everything? I, I can't focus. All right, there you go. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's talk about what's coming up in physical media this upcoming Tuesday, September. That's right, folks. We're into September, September 5th. This is a 4K release that I know Matt's excited about. Constable Crane, this is a song that we have heard from you more than once. Now, there are two courses open to me. First, I can let you cool your heels in the cells until you learn respect for the dignity of my office. I beg pardon, but why am I the only one who sees that to solve crimes, to detect the guilty, we must use our brains to recognize vital clues using up-to-date scientific techniques? Which brings me to the second course. There is a town upstate, two days' journey to the north in the Hudson Highlands. It is a place called Sleepy Hollow. Have you heard of it? I have not. An isolated farming community, mainly Dutch. Three persons have been murdered there, all within a fortnight. Each one found with the head lopped off. Lopped off? Clean as dandelion heads, apparently. Well, that sounds scary. Matt, that's right. Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow is being released in 4K. Wow. That, of course, was the great and legendary Christopher Lee you heard there, along with uh, Johnny Depp himself. Matt, I had bought this about a year ago digitally for like four bucks Mm -hmm. in 4K off of iTunes. So uh, I'd have to be a really good price, I think. And outside of that, I only owned previously on DVD. What about you? Are you a fan of Burton? Yeah, this is actually low-key, probably one of my favorite Burton movies. Um, And I, I... do own it i think i either own it just on dvd or maybe i picked it up used on blu-ray for like super cheap so i would i would upgrade this and buy this on 4k there you go and there's going to be a steelbook version of this released as well what else we got coming up here number five it's going to be blue jean only being released by in dvd matt uh written directed by georgia oakley it's uh, a film that set in thatcher's britain in the late 80s but a closeted second school, uh, secondary school gym teacher, Jean, who walked a fine line between nightclubbing with her out partner and days spent living in a lie in order to preserve her career. It's supposed to be very good, a British film that came out earlier this year. Uh, after that, Four. Synapse is releasing Black Circle. It's about a, a film about the lives of two sisters who cha- that changed dramatically, Matt, once they're hypnotized by a mystical vinyl record from the 70s. And there is a disc that includes the soundtrack of the film on CD, some audio commentaries, an original short film, and more. Next up. Get three coffins ready. Uh, huh? Decal is releasing God is a Bullet. This is about a vice detective, Bob Hightower. Maddie finds his ex-wife murdered and daughter kidnapped by a satanic cult. Bob is frustrated by bumbling botched official investigations, so he quits the force, gets some tattoos, I don't know why that's relevant, and infiltrates the cult to hunt down the charismatic leader. What I like about it, though, is the cast. Maka Monroe, who I have yet to see, I think, in a bad film. Um, Nikolaj Kostrowaldau, one of the uh, Lannisters there, right, mm-hmm. from uh, Game of Thrones. And, of course, Jamie Foxx. 
So uh, I always like a good cult film, Matt. Always worth a good watch there. There can be only one. Oh, that's wrong. Looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Matt, my launch pad still isn't working properly, so I can't use my little pad thing. Mm-hmm. I spent 45 minutes on it last night, and I couldn't get it to register. I went online, followed all the instructions. Nothing's working. Reached out to them, haven't heard back. So that's why I'm doing this all on my laptop, and that's why I got my uh, little hot dog fingers keep uh, hitting the wrong buttons. So uh, number two from Magnolia releasing Master Gardener, the latest film from Paul Schrader. This is part of his trilogy, the first one being First Reform, the second one, The Card Player, and now Master Gardener. This one stars Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Edgerton plays a meticulous horticulturist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the Wealthy Dowager. It's supposed to, I don't know, looks interesting from what I've seen about it, so I want to check it out. I've only seen First Reformed. I haven't seen The Card Encounter yet or this, so uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch up with it at some point. And then finally, Matt, just for you. There can be only one. One more time. Is uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse being released in 4K and Blu-ray. You can get a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has an alternate steelbook as well. Includes Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos tracks, uh, video commentary, excuse me, full filmmaker's commentary, obscure spiders and Easter eggs. So I guess I'm going to go through all the different spider people that are on there. It's a deleted scene and more. But um, I'm assuming you'll be picking that one up, right? Definitely. So also being released in 4K, Matilda, uh, The Princess Bride from Criterion, Night of the Comet from uh, Shout Factory. It's a brand new 4K restoration. The Expendables get steelbooks from Best Buy, and Iron Man joins the Disney steelbook, silver steelbook line that they've been pushing out. I think it's the first Marvel movie to do so. And then uh, a movie that always reminded me of Matt getting released. This is just in Blu-ray from Shout Factory. My Demon Demon Lover starring Scott (laughs) Valentine about a homeless street musician who becomes a demon when he's sexually harassed. I mean, somebody did approach me when I was in my younger days to take notes. I knew it. Straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go with Mother May I. Emmett wants to sell his recently deceased mother's house, but lingering memories of childhood abuse soon emerge when he and his fiancée, Anya, stay the night. Anya convinces him to take mushrooms to get him to let go. But something strange happens when they're tripping, Matt. She starts behaving like his mother. The next morning, he wakes up sober, but she still won't drop the act. Anya loves playing games. Is is this her taking it too far, or did she did her did his mother's spirit somehow possess her? With the most twisted depiction of a couple in crisis in which power dynamics are ever shifting, Mother Maya is a psychological thriller about who we think we are and who we pretend to be. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Well, I'm going to make two qualified recommendations. So, one, if you are a Star Wars fan, especially if you're a fan of the cartoon series Rebels or Clone Wars, which I was not. The new Disney Plus Star Wars series, Ahsoka, starring um, the always lovely and talented, one of my favorites, Rosario Dawson, as the titular character of uh, Anakin Skywalker's, I guess, wayward former apprentice and um, her you know, journey of revenge on a very popular character now obviously i've watched the first couple episodes they're pretty good but i'm not really steeped in that kind of lore or that kind of background show so it it's not as big a deal to me as a lot of people who are who grew up watching those shows really seem to like it so i guess i will say if you're a star wars fan you'll probably dig it if you're one of those clone wars or rebels fans when you were a kid you're really really gonna love it nice i haven't had a chance to catch up with it i still need to finish stranger things but 
Just had to watch Bo's Afraid mm. over the weekend. And then, of course, what's coming up next? The Pope's Exorcist, or as they say it in Italy, the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> eh? Eh? Who are you? Your worst fear. I am your demise. Why are you possessing this boy? Because it feels so good to ruin such innocent flesh. But I prefer the challenge of an exorcist's soul. You only serve to diminish yourself. Don't lecture me, priest. What is your purpose? I'm here for you. Then you must know my name. I know your soul and every shameless sin. Tell me one of my sins. You cannot. Because my sins have been absolved by the one true master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you afraid of him? Are you afraid of Jesus Christ? What about you, Matt? Are you afraid of Jesus Christ? Or what are your thoughts really on the Pope's exorcist? Are you afraid? Well, let me tell you what this is about yeah, before I ask any questions. Russell Crowe stars as Italian legendary real person. All right. Father Gabriel Amorth, who was an exorcist, like legit an exorcist. Mm-hmm. And he rides his little Vespa, his little scooter from Italy to Spain. I want to mind mind you. All right. So let's not forget that part. Mm. But what happens is this young boy, he's uh who's been possessed and he has to go check out his legit. Does he have kind of any um mental issues? Does he have uh, some trauma he's dealing with, whatever the case may be, right? Or is he actually possessed by a demon? Well, lucky for us, this kid's actually not only possessed by a demon, but like the James Bond villain of demons. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's up to him and his new buddy there, who was the local priest, to try and not only save this boy, save this family, save themselves, but the Catholic Church itself, if not the world, Mm -hmm. Matt. Mm -hmm. I have never seen stakes this high in a possession film. And there's where I'm stuck, Matt. Is that why, does that make this film excellent i should know let me restate this does that make this film awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> or does that make this film just an absolute train wreck of a uh, possession movie or both yeah so i guess really it depends on where you again much like what i was afraid where you fall on that divide i would say it makes it a complete train wreck uh because when you raise the stakes that high where you have Asmodeus, which is supposed to be like one of the main demons of hell. Some would even say, as they claim in this, the king of hell. Uh, that that's the demon you're dealing with, and this whole plot of you know infesting the church and kicking off a second inquisition. Guys, I don't care if I'm ruining this for you. That is, it's 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 just ludicrous. And then when you kind of top it off, and I, as we kind of. I really want to talk about that, like kind of end stinger title card. Uh, that is that last bit there. When you're trying to say that this is a real person and imply that these are based off of real cases, and this is what you present to us, that blows my mind. That just <laughs> that is just absolutely insane to me. Yeah, no, it is. I think that's what the charm of the film is. Is that. Like you could see, like the type of the case that went all the way to the top. Type, it's just, it's got a good thing. Like it's like palace intrigue. It's, it is so ridiculously outsized of a story that I, 
when the demon revealed his plan, I scoffed. I mean, I literally laughed out loud watching this thing. Mm. And then I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. All right, let's do this. Like, is this thing... That's what I'm wondering. Is this just the right amount of bonkers? And I think for me, it was. Yeah. It's... I will say the special effects, the makeup stuff, all the position stuff, I thought looked legit, mm -hmm. right? It looked pretty good. It was pretty intense, pretty... I don't, the problem is, I don't know if I can use the word scary because the film is just so over the top mm -hmm. all the time that it's almost kind of like a gonzo comedy horror film thing. And and why I think it works so well is because I don't think they knew that they were churning out like one of the funniest, I think, films potentially of the year. <laughs> it's just not like funny, haha, out loud for the most part. It's just it's just a wild, wild ride right, of a film. Right. And it's just so crazy and over the top that you just kind of sit back and you're like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. Yeah. I think this really, it's, I think part of it is it's, it's been a long time since we've got one of these unintentionally campy horror movies that has a relatively decent budget with, you know, a, at least one relatively well-known star in it. And mm. I feel like Russell Crowe knows exactly the kind of movies this is, and he's just really enjoying the hell out of himself while he's doing it. And again, if you like those type of movies, and there are horror fans who really love it, uh, you know, that kind of when they hit that sweet spot of just ridiculous and graphic, whether that's nudity or violence, or in this case, both, that is, it's, it's, it, it really seems to be a, 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 a place of fun. If you're like me, who you're just kind of kind of along for the ride, but rolling your eyes at the whole time, saying, okay, in the moment, I'm kind of having an okay time, but I can genuinely say at the same time that this is bad and I hate this and I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just one scene, too, when the young girl, when she, she takes her own life, right? Mm -hmm. That's the uh, sin that he holds with himself, right? Right. And he's holding her on the ground after she jumped off the building. And her the blood trail from her body forms like wings, like angel wings mm -hmm. underneath her. You know, it's that's the kind of stuff, the, the deft, subtle touch <laughs> that we're really going with with this film. And it's the whole film is like that from start to finish. So I like I love the idea that it was, what, one of the locations of the Spanish Inquisition and the priest that oversaw everything and eventually got possessed by a demon and everything. We, I just... The lore and the history of this is so crazy that I, for me, I don't think you can really have, you can't not have a good time watching this thing. Like at one point too, when he was reviewing his time back when he was fighting in World War II and he survived World War II. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're getting shot by Germans. Weren't Italy part of the uh, Axis powers? Now there was a resistance movement, sure. which is clearly what he was supposed to be part of. Right. But still just crazy, crazy weird stuff, Matt. So yeah, I... For me, it is the right amount of bonkers. It's done extremely well. That looks like they are going to make a sequel. And I, the problem is, where do you go from here when you have? Yeah. I don't know what you, you can have possibly top it. Literally, an arch demon that is trying to take over, start kick off a second Inquisition and take over the church. That is bonkers. When your hero is like fighting not to get possessed, and this is just ridiculous to me. But. Don't worry, Chris. As the Stinger says, which was the most groan-worthy aspect of this entire film, Gabriel Amorth was an exorcist until 2016, and he wrote many books. And, literally, they're good. 
That is what the damn stinger says. It just says at the end, they're good. That is, I can't even imagine what they're going to come up with next. Because if that's, if they're all good, what are you going to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's clearly, if you watch them too, that's a callback too, where he actually says that to somebody Mm -hmm. in the movie too. But yeah, absolutely. Listen, if this is, if the Conjuring franchise is is wrapping up here at this point, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what we're moving on to next, where it's not just, because a couple of those first two Conjuring films I think are very effective, very good, very scary. I haven't seen anything a good one since. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to, this is going to be kind of the mirror version of that. We're just going to have these crazy Pope's Exorcist adventures with a totally game, as Matt said, Russell Crowe, ready to do whatever crazy, maybe he has to fight a possessed rabbi or something in the <laughs> next film. And they introduce like martial arts or something mm-hmm. too. And I don't know, just go all in. Right. Right. Then I'm on board, Matt. So I have the Pope's Exorcist as a D slash B. <laughs> And I'm going with that B, baby. Yeah, I'm giving it a D as well, but I'm not. I'm not giving it the slash B. It's just a D <laughs> film. Ah, uh, Russell. Good stuff. And Franco Nero shows up. As soon as Nero showed up, I'm like, okay, I know where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. No, I shouldn't say that. He's in John Wick Part Two, right? So, all right. If you have seen, if you've seen The Pope's Exorcist, which again. As of the recording of this show, I believe it was the number one movie on Netflix. Uh, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Here is our final segment. This week it's going to be TFR Libs. It's just our favorite fill-in-the-blank game. And Matt, oof, I haven't connected with him on this yet, but he got some really disturbing news just the other day. By the grace of Shaddam Fourth of House Carino, Ascendant to the golden lion throne of Padisha, Emperor of the known universe, I stand before you as herald of the change. We're witnessed by members of the Imperial Court, representatives of the Spacing Guild, and a sister of the Bene Gesserit. The Emperor has spoken. House Atreides shall immediately take control of Arrakis and serve as its steward. Do you accept? We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! Atreides! 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 Matt, Dune 2 has been pushed to 2024. Due to the, um, I don't want to say due to the writer's strike. I would say due to the intractability of the uh, the PTMP, I'm blanking on it now, but the producers and all the Hollywood folks, the big, the big money people, mm-hmm. are pushing it off to next year. So, because their refusal to negotiate with SAG after uh, WGA and the rest. So, Matt, the delay of Dune 2 to next year is blank. A disappointment. I was really looking forward to Dune 2. I think it was, I think, in my top three uh, for most anticipated films of 2023. So, it really bums me out. I was kind of looking towards the rest of this calendar year, and I got to say... Not a lot that was really exciting to me, but this was kind of a beacon of something I was really, really looking forward to seeing. So I'm kind of bummed out. I mean, at the very least, we know what's going to happen, um, but I kind of wish we could have gotten it now. 
we'll see when they end up releasing it. Maybe if they release it in a slow part of the year, maybe it'll end up bringing in more money than it would have, and that could be good for it overall, maybe? Silver linings. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, what's really left at this point? We have, what, Ridley Scott's Napoleon, right? Mm. We have Maestro. Well, and then you, I know you're excited for the uh, Zack Snyder film. Which one's that one called? Oh, Rebel Moon. Yeah. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. The Color Purple. Ferrari by Michael. I just, oof. It's rough. I mean, the only thing that I'm actually genuinely curious to see is The Killer, which is coming yep. out you know, later in the fall. Yeah, Fincher's new film. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see that too. That's probably right now my number one for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So, fair enough. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, Matt. I think it's disappointing, though. I wasn't as over or overjoyed, or I thought the first film was fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was you know a wonderful kind of cinematic sci-fi experience. I think because a villain who had to do a lot of world building for people like me who hadn't seen any of the prior properties and weren't really familiar with anything. Yeah. I guess this is where the everything's really supposed to happen, though I understand, too, it's supposed to be very emotionally resonant, mm-hmm. and they've really focused on the romance between uh, uh, Chalamet and Zendaya. But still, yeah, I'm disappointed, too. I was looking forward to it, just because it's Villeneuve, so it's at least going to be gorgeous and, and fun to watch. All right, Matt, what do you got for me? Well, then I, I guess I'll ask my Dune question, so... Uh, Villeneuve is really, really pushing that he wants to make a trilogy. So obviously we've got the first two here and then he wants to make the sequel, which is Dune Messiah. Um, Without having seen, obviously, the second one, we don't know what the financials are, but just based on what we know about it, the likelihood of a Dune trilogy is blank. Now I will say, Dune Messiah is where things start to get really wild. But if they don't get... They're not the wildest that they can get. Where at the... I think the one after that is where Paul's son... Spoiler alert for a 50-year-old novel, 70-year-old novel. He turns into a sandworm with a human head. So, like, that's... And, like, rules it and like rules the galaxy. So, uh, yeah, it gets pretty weird. But the the next one is basically the, the ending of Paul's story. Wow, I did not know that. Jeez, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't... I doubt it. I think that part two... Mm-hmm. I think you got lucky. Because the first one didn't do exceptionally well, right? I mean, it did fine, but I think there was a real question, you know, if it was going to get done or not. Because the returns... But granted, that was also pandemic time. Sure. So it cost 165 We'll say 225 maybe, when you throw in advertising and the rest. Mm-hmm. Made 402. Right. So, yeah, I think maybe they factored in the COVID stuff as to why it didn't perform exceptionally well. Yeah. We'll have to see. I, I'm i not confident. I think we're going to get Dune Part 2 and that'll be it. Do you think Villeneuve would come back if they get made a third one? Yeah. He said he wants to make a trilogy. Yeah, he's he been saying that he would like to adapt Dune Messiah to kind of close out Paul's story and make it like an, a, a complete thing. All right. So what, what do you think those odds are? Wrong segment, but what do you think it is? Um, I think it's... Pro- I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's probably 40% chance, and that's probably being generous because I want it to happen, but I don't see it happening. Although I can say this, for better or worse, 
there hasn't been the marketing push uh, for Dune 2 that there has been, that there was for the first one. They're releasing, yep. they were planning to release it in the fall versus the summer. So I think they're taking some actions to try and kind of help it be a bigger film. And dude, wasn't the first one too? They did a day and date, right? Didn't they stream it on HBO Max the same day it came out? I think they did, yeah. Because they were still doing that back then. Yeah. 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 All right. Have to see, man. I would, if I get a percentage, I'd probably do twenty percent mm. that you get your Messiah. Mm-hmm. You're doing Messiah. Doing Messiah. Right. I don't know what you got going on personally and spiritually, <laughs> Matt. Let me ask you about this. So, Chad Stileski's of John Wick fame. He's doing a Highlander reboot, <laughs> starring Henry Cable, mm-hmm. and all that makes you think what blank? Uh. Well, that makes me think that that's that was my second question as well. So that'll be I'm gonna have two now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, cautiously pumped. I think I'm cautiously stoked about this because when you've got you know Chad as the director of John Wick, who I am willing to give that man the benefit of the doubt of any action movie that has got going along. When you couple that with my man Henry Cavill, who is the world's prettiest nerd and really loves all of these properties with his full heart. When you kind of, if you can get those two together and you can capture the lightning in the bottle, I've been on record saying that I don't think Highlander's that great of a movie. It's a very cult eighties movie, but it was never my thing. This would actually make me really excited to go see it. If you didn't have these two involved before, if it was just cable. Eh, probably not. But when you add uh, Chad to it, I would, I'm, I'm in. I am cautiously optimistic about it. Mm. I think for me, that film was lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of had to come together and work. And for some reason, it does. And it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the pieces of that film, it, it you know, separately from the whole, it's like, no. Sean Connery, the Scottish guy playing, uh, he's an Egyptian, but, you know, considered to be a Spaniard. You got the French guy playing the uh, Scottish guy. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you have a, a guy did some music videos who directed it and then kind of didn't really have the same success ever since after that film. And then, of course, I think the magic elixir for that whole film is the Queen soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that's going to shake out this time. And I'll be honest with you, too. With Cable, I don't know, man. I know I haven't watched The Witcher. Mm-hmm. So my experience with him has been limited outside of the DCEU stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Part of it, it could just be too. He makes me uncomfortable because he's so pretty and I'm jealous of his life, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm cautiously pessimistic. The one thing that I worry about is what they're going to do with the music because that eighties rock, that queen stuff is so integral to the success. I think of that film that I don't, I'm curious what they're going to do. Are they going to bring back some queen songs? Uh, or are they going to go more, uh, uh, what like what the modern version with, with like Adam Lambert and the members of Queen no. or, or are they going to go like the Killers? What are they going to do? I would completely jettison any thoughts of music being integral to this film. I think what you're going to get if what you know Cable has put on screen, what uh, the director has put on screen, you're going to get a very solid actioner you know, sword martial arts type film that maybe has some pulsing soundtrack kind of stuff. That'll be very cleverly choreographed and shot. But I think if you're going into it looking for 
that kind of, like you said, uh, 80s cheese that somehow works again, that works despite every, it's every effort to keep from working. You're never going to get that. So you just need to completely forget any of that happening going forward. Yeah. So Matt, who do you cast as in the Sean Connery role? Who would you go with? We know Cable's uh, the Highlander, right? Yeah, we know so he's the Highlander. He's Connor. Right. So who would you cast? Because I don't think they've cast it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think who I would go with. Would you... you know what? I would go with somebody completely... This is completely diff- ridiculous, and it's a stupid suggestion, but I would either go with Martin Freeman... As as the Spaniard, Whoa. <laughs> or um, maybe even different um, Michael Sheen, one of those two as this as the Spaniard, Jeez. because like to your point, right? If you've got Cable hulking himself around as the Highlander, right, and at least he's going to do a Scottish accent, although it would be absolutely hilarious if he put on some kind of French accent to do this. If you bring in, who are you going to bring in? Because I can't think of somebody who's as curmudgeonly or uh hmm what's the guy with the gravelly voice and i'm drawing a blank on his name with the huge mustache the american guy i have no idea you know my memory shot now i can't (laughs) Um, hold on um god what was his name i want to say sam elliott you could bring Sam Elliott in there, <laughs> yeah. do his cowboy thing, and but completely, like, completely, completely straight that he's a Spaniard, but doesn't change his voice or his accent. Where it comes in with a ten-gallon hat, do it. I would like. I think. I think Willem Dafoe would be great in that role. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. But I'm leaning towards like a like a like a legit one would be like Ray Fine. Mm. I think that it's something he could do well. Liam Neeson, or I bring Liam Neeson in there. There you go. Neeson would work too. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I don't know. And I feel like I want to get Daniel Craig in this universe in some Somehow. capacity. I just don't know how. What's the What's the bad guy's name? Oh, the Kurrigan. Yeah, the Kurrigan. The Kurrigan. Yeah, he could be the Kurrigan. No, I want Tom Hardy in that role. Really? Doesn't have? Is he big and physical enough? He can be. Did you see uh, the Dark Knight Returns? There, I did. But I, he's also a relatively small guy. He's like what five six, five seven compared to Cable six four. If Tom Cruise can be Jack Reacher, I can have uh, Tom Hardy be. Yeah, the but he he was not well received as Jack Reacher. Let's be honest. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> Sean Bean's a good pick too, right? Mm-hmm. He's always uh, he's always game to be killed. You probably want somebody younger though, yeah, to be the Kurgan. Yeah. Mm. Timothy Chalamet is going to come in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know they're going to cash Brana. Brana's going to be the Spaniard. Mm. I can tell right now. Oh, okay. That's what they're going to go with. Okay. It seems something you'd jump all. Or over. what about uh, Brosnan? Would he come in and do a, do a, a turn as a Dr. Fate style? Uh, Ooh, I'd be open to that. Spaniard? Something much more classy? Class to join up some? I've changed. Yep. Now I want Daniel Craig as a Kurgan. I've changed my I've updated. All right. I'm good. Okay. We're good. Yeah. So all, good. we got out of the way all of our idiotic choices and we landed on some decent ones at the end there. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly. All right. All right, so speaking of The Killer, uh, David Fincher's new film. So if you look at the release date, it is going to be released in early September at a film festival, then very limited release in October in New York and L.A., and then after that, it's going straight to Netflix. Uh, Basically the same model that he did with Manx. So 
this David Fincher model is blank. Whack. Whack? Wiggity? Wiggity whack? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't like this not in the theater type stuff, mm. even if it's only for a short period or in limited places. Like, I was, uh, like, the Knives Out thing, too, they did, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't appreciate it. All right, I want to go to theater. I don't, I'm still a, a devotee of that experience, even if I have sometimes horrible experiences in the theater itself with people. Like, I saw some, what was it? We did a horror film recently, and somebody brought an infant in mm. with them. It worked out. Kid was quiet. I don't know if they just drugged him, filled up with Benadryl or something. I don't know. It was fine, but still. I'm sure that kid's traumatized now. So, but yeah, no. I, I don't appreciate it. I think it's rude and it's disrespectful. And I won't stand for it, let alone sit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally kind of love it because I am all set with going to the theater. Unless it, it's going to bring a lot to me because takes a lot of time out of my busy schedule. It takes up a good half a day to go do this. And I can either go in the middle of the day and waste like the whole afternoon or I can go super late at night. And that seems to be it. That's what works for me. And I don't like either of those times. There are very few movies to Mm -hmm. me that really gain a whole, whole lot from being on the big screen. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some. But many do not. And I would take the opportunity just to stay home if I could. Oh, good for you. (laughs) I think I've never had at home, I don't think, if I can recall, maybe once or twice in my life, the feeling I get once or twice a year when I go to the theater where I feel something special. I feel something magical that I'm happy that, you know, it's that overwhelming just emotion that I get being in a theater watching a film. That doesn't happen for me at home. It just doesn't. And that's it's a it's a high I'll be I'm chasing the rest of my life, bro. So so fair enough, but is it worth doing all the other things you would like to do or have to do to go sit in t- and have a mediocre experience with the possibility that maybe does that one or two times a year does that make it all worth it for all of the times that it's a hassle? I don't consider it a hassle. I think part of the issue too is I work remotely from home. I'm happy to get out of the house sometimes mm. too. So. Fair enough. I guess really then it just kind of all boils down to what you got going on, you know? Yep. Yep. I don't have anything going on in my life. So it's... I'm not... I wasn't even saying that. I mean, this is... But I mean, this is just one hobby of many for mine. Even if you took it out as hobbies, that's just... You know, that's just one thing you got to do. True. Yeah. True. I'm not really good on managing my time. Matt, uh, (laughs) my last one for you. Anton Fuqua says Equalizer 3 is basically Man on Fire 2 thanks to the 20-year reunion between Denzel and Dakota Fanning Mm. in uh, Tony Scott's, I would say, Tony Scott, the worst thing Tony Scott ever did is better than I think the best thing Anton Fuqua has ever done. Wow, what a bold statement. And uh, him saying this is blank. Is ridiculous. I mean, Anton Fuqua is a is a hack. The guy cannot do his movies are all at best middling. And the only time that they're middling is when somebody like Denzel can kind of elevate it to being watchable. But his stuff is just generally terrible. And I, and I agree with you. I don't think man on fire is a particularly good film, but it's a memorable one. And I, there are things that I remember about it that are, I can say more than pretty much any Fuqua movie. And I'm really angry that we have to go see this movie. This is, again, this well, is what I'm talking about. 
I would love yeah. to just sit at home and watch Equalizer three and bring you the. But no, now I gotta go. I gotta go to the theater. I would agree with you actually on that one. That one I would <laughs> I would wait for home. If yeah, maybe we can do that. Maybe find that something else is coming out. But we've already skipped one theater a week. The whole thing is mad. It's the first run. We're supposed to see first run films in the theater. I know. I understand. But well, we're supposed to see first still, run films. We don't necessarily have to see them in the theater if things change. That's fine. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, I, at first I will also say praises for Man on Fire. I actually did enjoy that film quite a lot. Mm. And, uh, but him, you know, not, I don't know if he's comparing it per se, but saying this is a spiritual sequel to that. No, because none of those Equalizer films have been good. I don't think, like you said, we have a whole, what phrase or saying on this show, the training day uh, mm-hmm. situation. I can't remember what it's called now because I looked out my window and it is now blackout and winds are <laughs> squirreling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that, it's training day scenario, right? Because that's when a, when the film is not good, but the performance in it is is excellent, mm-hmm. and that's Denzel. So I remember then I watched what Tears of the Sun with Bruce Willis. That was the second film that I saw his mm-hmm. again, bad. Yeah, and it it's still nothing has been good. So no, it's ridi- it's ridiculous. It's what it is. It's ridiculous, and it's insulting. Yeah, and he's not insulted me, but my family and my grandmother mm-hmm. and my, my entire lineage. Mm-hmm. Yes, by that statement, Matt, bring us home. You got anything else? I don't because we remember we both had the we had the same second one. So fair enough. That sounds like fun. How would you fill in those blanks, kids? Uh, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun dot com. Matt, what is coming up next week? Well, as we were just uh, complaining about, we are Maybe. planning on possibly watching the Equalizer three, and then we're also going to give you another to film show with uh they clone tyrone i hear good things about they clone tyrone i'm looking forward to checking that one out Mm -hmm. and i guess that's all i'll say about that um matt let's hope for the best fingers crossed that um first run central the hq Mm -hmm. survives the next few days and um in the meantime check us out at thefirstrun.com you can see all the uh, archived episodes or watch them or i should say listen to them you can't watch them you can listen to them and stare at your screen uh, also, you can find the uh, report cards on there as well. Then head over to uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that's it, Matt. I'm going to go ahead and take an extended break. I'm going to get in my bunker. And uh, we will hopefully see you guys all soon. Take care of yourself. Thank you.